Hello, and welcome to this week's Shoot the Moon podcast, broadcasting live and direct from Revenue Rocket World Headquarters in Bloomington, Minnesota. As you know, you're a regular listener of Revenue Rocket's podcast. We are the uh, world's premier growth strategy and M&A advisory firm for IT services companies. I'm happy and uh, fortunate enough today to have my partners, Brian Barnett and Matt Lockhart, with me for this podcast. Welcome, guys. Hey, thanks, Mike. Interesting topic here, insightful, around measuring your M&A efforts with consistency over time usually is the right strategy to find the right opportunities and, and, and make them pay off. And, and I was sort of thinking as we're, as we're rolling into the holiday season here, sometimes that's difficult because of the fits and starts that are natural in the holidays, but it, it's about getting her done. So good topic. Thanks for, for having us and thanks for being here, uh, Matt and Mike. That consistency is is important and it, it's a, a, a bit of a blend between uh, the person who's helping you get your M&A deals done. Uh, that may be you or it may be an advisor. And, the, and it could be the targets that you're working with and it could be just the process overall. So, Mike, just turn it over to you on general thoughts on uh, just get us rolling on the topic. Yeah, for sure. You know, I think, and this is probably, you know, certainly this advice applies to both people that are buyers and sellers of IT services firms, tech-enabled services firms, but uh, in some cases more buyers. You know, it's interesting when, uh, you know, someone engages with an advisor to do outreach and to run a process for them. Certainly they naturally want to move quickly. Right. Because by the time you've made the decision that, hey, we want to go buy a company and we want to work with someone that can help us kind of throughout the entire journey, you want to identify targets as fast as possible and you want to move them through to close as quick as possible. And I think it's very challenging in some cases for uh, you to be patient as a client who's looking to buy a company, entrepreneurs in general, and particularly those in our industry tend to be guys and gals who are action-oriented and generally want to get stuff done right now. But M&A is one of those things, particularly in sourcing potential targets, where taking the time to get that right and let that process play out, particularly in the sourcing phase or finding targets to acquire, is critically important. You know, I would say that really on both buy side and sell side, but particularly on buy side. And there's a natural momentum happens as that work stream starts uh, that you have to allow to kind of get moving in order to have choices because it's most important that as a, as whether you're selling or buying that you have choices and choices come with time. Uh, the more time you give it sort of in the sourcing phase of finding targets, the more choices you have, and typically the better choices are sort of the cream that rises to the top. You know, it's interesting, Mike. You you, you mentioned that patience on the sourcing on the buy side. Well, you know, it's it can be true on the sell side as well. I know we'll get into, you know, sort of structured process versus uh, longer-term process, it, if sellers are looking at strategic opportunities, 
you know, sometimes it takes time to find the right strategic opportunity um, that is going to be the best fit that will allow a seller to sell in and and grow with a firm. And so, yeah, totally applies on the buy side sourcing, but oftentimes can apply on the other side, on the sell side as well. Yeah, I would I, I would agree with that. If I just to add a comment, I think the better, the more time you provide, the better and more fortified the choices become. And I think from a budgeting perspective, you know, I would sort of recommend that you know people think about this whole journey taking about a year. You know, it can take longer. It can be certainly shorter, but you should have your head around that. And the reason why I say that is because. You know, it's going to take 90 days, in some cases 120 days from the time you get to a letter of intent to close anyway. And so that sourcing phase and your ability to find high quality targets and uh, companies that you're going to potentially combine with is pretty critical. And I think it's got to line up, like we've often said, you know, strategically, culturally and financially. And the more choices you have, the better. And so the more time you give it, the more patient you are, the more choices you have. And I think that's just, I'll keep beating that drum because I think if you're a buyer or a seller, I think anyone would say, hey, if I give it, you know, an extra three months or six months, you know, to have more quality choices, that's probably time well spent. I guess if we, if we break this down a little bit into a few phases that are important with M&A and, and where buyers or sellers are really being consistent in it, uh, some key phases are your origination, and that includes, a, a re, I'd say, research and outreach. Uh, you've got your negotiation or LOI phases, and then you've got your due diligence phases. Can you give some advice on when you're starting to look at an ideal prospect profile? how that may evolve after your first few attempts and what's important for, in this case, a buyer to perhaps look at the targets um, in a, a different way since uh, once once a few things are discovered? Yeah, I, I mean, I'll take a run at that. Man, I'd love to hear your opinion. You know, I think oftentimes when you come into the market as a buyer, you have, a, or even a seller for that matter, you have a preconceived notion as to who is, the ideal target, who would be a great company to buy. The problem with that is depending on how specific that IPP is and narrow, you might not find a whole lot of companies that fit that profile, particularly if you're up market. And what I mean by that is the larger the firm gets, naturally the fewer the targets that are going to be presented. So it becomes challenging sometimes to say, hey, we want a, a large company with exactly these attributes. You know, the list can be pretty short. It is oftentimes better in our market, in our industry, for you to focus on firms where there may be more potential targets and be able to see how you can put several of those deals together to get to the same end game. And you may not discover that until you're into the process. And so, you know, certainly you may find that you get into the process and you find your ideal prospect profile right away. And there's, you know, choices there. There's multiple choices. 
It depends certainly on the nuance of the specific micro market within tech enabled services as to whether there's lots of targets or not many targets. You certainly see that to be quite variable depending on your focus area. But being in a sort of taking a learning approach to that outreach uh, certainly will help you be successful and being flexible about how you target and tune the IPP will be super helpful, I think, in the long run. You know, Mike, to add on, I think that the process of of understanding and, and courting, you know, beyond sourcing can take some time as well to ensure that there's really that good fit. And balancing that against a party who is is interested and and demonstrating progress is is combination kind of art and science. But, you know, there's there can be time to ensure that it's the the correct thing to move forward towards that letter of intent after that after that courting period and so giving that the adequate time is super important right oftentimes it's that um that courting period where you're really lining up that there's a good cultural fit right which is so important obviously in this IT services space to ensure that 1 plus 1 can equal you know, four, five, six, right? And so it's, it's. I think being measured. I think that the other thing, kind of going back to that that sourcing phase, is we've we've seen firms that that sort of stop and start in that process, and that's a you know that can be a real challenge, right? Is is sort of that stopping and starting because, well, sourcing is a grind. I mean, it's a real grind, and we know that. And, Ryan often uses that analogy of the duck paddling underwater and yet seeming so calm on top. Well, that paddling underwater is a lot of work and, you know, getting people interested and, you know, probably a good reminder that the best firms to buy are are the firms that are not for sale today. And so staying consistent with those prospects and over time is uh, is is really part and parcel to, you know, finding success of getting people interested. I'd like to chime in on, on, on the origination uh, aspect specifically. Uh, it's, I think, oftentimes, one, if you present a firm with a list of prospects, there's a lot of excitement that comes with that list. Hey, I'm going to go after and, and target, and, and you've come to consensus on what could be possible. It's really fun to, to, to get to a place where, there's excitement building towards what could be. And then it takes a lot of work in order to find a seller that's willing to have a conversation. And it really, and same, same goes with the sell side. It takes a lot of work to find buyers that strategically get your initiative. And um, some of that's very, very tactical uh, in that, uh, it, you know, one of our stats that's fascinating is, you know, if you look at our call rates, and you look at the what we call a successful sign up in which someone looks at a and willing to have a conversation uh, with one of our principals to move forward. It takes over 11 attempts just to say, kind of get them on the phone to agree to talk to someone. And that's if things go well. So it's fairly common for us to have uh, have left 10 to 15 voicemails. Uh, and left uh, two to three email messages and LinkedIn and sometimes a carrier pigeon to get a hold of someone. And oftentimes, 
is something that it, we internally struggle, not struggle with, but it's part of the, the approach here. I certainly know if I called my sister, I don't think she's going to call me back. And if I think about that as a stranger calling another stranger and trying to move forward and make big decisions, uh, it can take a lot of effort and human human connection to move things uh, forward. But that's actually after you've got an ideal prospect list. And uh, if you think about building a list, each firm is carefully curated, each firm uh, to look for strategic fit, for uh, geographic fit, for size fit, for management intention fit, for cultural fit, all these things before it's ever put onto a list to even to move forward. So to your point, Matt, the, the, the legs are definitely paddling along in a lot of things that are uh, somewhat probably underappreciated into the actions that go into building a long, long, long-term relationship with whatever target that we're on the phone with. That grind is worth it when we start to move forward, but in the meantime, can if it can often feel uh, painful. I'd also, you know, like to do a little myth busting here. You know, I think a lot of folks when they think about doing outreach come to a firm like ours and others that are focused on the vertical and the space and believe we just have this huge list of firms that are dying to sell or dying to buy companies just like what is in your ideal prospect profile or your profile if you're a seller. And that's really not the case. And the reason I say that is because certainly we have friends of the firm where that is the case and we put those guys into the process on every campaign that we do early on. But the nuance of the connection and the timing and the intent of all the parties all has to be vetted all the time. So it's not a static scenario. It's not like because we talked to someone two years ago and they were interested in being a buyer of a firm like yours, if you're a seller or was interested in selling at that time and hasn't sold is interested in selling now that's not the case it's a it's a vibrant and ever-changing market companies get bought companies get sold sometimes owners of those businesses change their mind about what they want sometimes they're in a very different place right um you know from where they were they may have grown materially or shrunk or at a death of a leader or, I mean, just a lot of dynamics in the marketplace that play into the vibrancy of the target list. And so they all have to be really requalified and sourced pursuant to your campaign when you initiate it. And all of that time and energy does take, take time. Now, that's not to say that being focused on a market the way we are, that we don't have a head start compared to firms that don't verticalize or don't focus on our market. I think we absolutely do, and I think we do outreach and marketing and pipeline building better than anybody. But it does mean that, you know, as you're thinking about engaging with a party, uh, whether it's us or anyone else, that they're telling you that this is going to be easy and a quick process and uh, that they got a long list of potential targets and all that stuff, you really need to be challenging some of those uh, statements and assumptions because you do have to sort of till the field every time. And we certainly all wish it was easier, but it generally isn't. 
I, I would note here that one thing to be cognizant of is uh, right turns are difficult compared to veering off the path. So if you're along, uh, and this is especially true on the buy side, but seen on the sell side too, if you are, have a target in mind and change your mind, it is effectively starting over. It's not the worst thing in the world. It's, it's, you, you, the problem is the momentum that it's done in that, that chain of voicemails, outreach, all those things. If it's a brand new set of targets can derail. So there's part of this of if you are going to look at a target market, be careful in the approach as you adapt and you learn more about the next targets that you're going after and that you have, a, I'd say, a willingness to consider uh, even firms in the past that may have been a, a part of an older strategy that you've evolved. Those conversations still have legs. At the end of the day, you're going to find out who's selling and who's willing to sell and understanding the propensity for them to do a deal could be great in a an evolved strategy or in an original strategy. Guys, if we um take it to the next step and you think about perhaps consistency in an offer, are there pieces of advice we can think about where working through an LOI or even working all the way through the definitive agreement, what's the importance of showing up and what's the importance of being consistent in communication and a kind of negotiation with firms? Super important. Even sort of consistency of your emotion and or composure throughout the process, knowing that there's always going to be disagreements or things to get figured out. And the idea of, of a letter of intent, I think the most important word in there is intent that both parties truly have an intent to come together. And I think that, that that's oftentimes overlooked. Now, we, we don't, you know, we advise accordingly, and, and that's part of the qualification process, and, and we're dealing with serious people. We're not dealing with tire kickers, right? But you've got a consistency of intent. You've got a desire to come together, and so you're measured. I think that having a consistent schedule is super important, sort of post letter of intent and and everybody's got transparency to that. And that, you know, your intent is to keep the deal as close to the terms that have been agreed upon as possible. Now, obviously there's always variables that come up in due diligence, but I think that just the intention of being consistent consistent to schedule, consistent to the intent, consistent in your desire to come together. It's it just, A, it makes things a heck of a lot easier and a lot less painful. And B, it's going to increase your chances of success. Mike, you've seen it a lot more than me. I think it's easy to, uh, you know, it's called the, un, you know, most unnatural act of business for a reason, right? There's a ton of moving parts here why the business case for an advisor to help guide you is critical because it's not, some of these things will seem unnatural. And I think it, it, your ability to follow your advisor's lead on kind of getting things put together and negotiating them because there's hundreds of things to negotiate as you get through the definitive agreement and being consistent with your approach and to your point, Matt, with your emotions is important, critically important. 
remember, you're trying to build confidence as you build the relationship and do the due diligence activities that are required to vet that either a company or buying is who they say they are and that they fit along our three pillars of, you know, strategy, culture, and, and, uh, and finance. Uh, or, you know, if you're a seller, you know, your buyer's trying hard to get to know you, determine your sort of working style, and bet all three of those things as well. And there's a ton of time and energy uh, that's put into each one of those areas, but most notably, the finance fit to make sure that there's comfort on both sides of the table that the deal will be successful post-transaction. And so being able to be responsive and consistent and being able to deliver what you say you're going to deliver when you're going to deliver it, whether that's a commitment for items and due diligence or whether that's a set of uh, performance metrics. If you're a seller, it's very easy for sellers to get distracted by a process that's going on and allow the business to wane a little bit, to not perform as well as, as it has consistently. We see that occur often. And I would just encourage you, if you're contemplating a sale and you're going to be involved with one of these processes, that you do not let that happen. The priority needs to be to consistently uh, deliver at or above your committed targets while you work through diligence and be consistent with your actions with a buyer and delivery and timing and, and uh, in managing expectations. And, you know, certainly if you're a buyer, you want to be, uh, you want to be consistent as well uh, in your ask, in your analysis and, and follow a process that is proven because where deals get sideways is when suddenly one side or the other begins to become inconsistent or they start to get emotional. And so uh, the advice would be steady hand on the tiller and be consistent and, and deliver and show up. And you certainly can then move towards, I think, a successful close. Yeah, the other element that comes with that and consistency is you're building a culture and cultural alignment throughout the process. So as you meet with the leaders of a an acquiring firm or a firm you're acquiring, or you're building that relationship with the firm that's acquiring yours, how you do business and the beliefs and norms that you put together uh, for your team, those start to, to meld together. And uh, that moves into, uh, I think, a more formal post-integration in which you may take a look at how combined firms truly meld together from culture and what aspects are critical to keep from each firm to, to maintain the success of each firm. And being consistent in, in showing up and understanding and learning what the future holds for both of you in a combined entity is, is important throughout the entire process. Today, I think we've kind of hammered this home. You want to show up consistent through the process, and that could be tactical could be emotional it could be just in in general i think it's important to to keep things moving and ensure that there's understand that gaps in time lead to lost momentum and lost momentum can can further uh, expand a project can learn that uh, there's value in uh, the transparency that your advisor may have in, in in how they're reaching out to to help you show kind of the the paddle underneath the water compared to the smooth duck. And uh, there's ways that uh, you can 
bring a deal together in a consistent manner that will help everyone grow. Uh, Matt, Mike, uh, any parting thoughts? Good topic, Ryan, I think. Embrace the grind. Embrace the grind. And and just a reminder that top quartile firms have an ongoing M&A strategy. I mean, it just it is what it is, right? And it's not something that stops and starts. So keep that in mind as you as you're driving your firm into that top quartile. Mike, over to you. Yeah, I would add also that, you know, picking your partner uh, is an important component of getting it right. You know, the best partners are very transparent with their entire process, their approach, their tools, so that you can have confidence that um, they're in the market doing it in a meaningful way. We think companies that provide a black box that aren't that transparent certainly are proven to be less successful than those that are and create a lot of challenges for you, I think, as a customer in looking at how do you work with them. I, I just I try to walk them on the shoes of all of our clients. And, and if it were me, I certainly would want to know, you know, who our partner was targeting and where we were in the process and, and uh, kind of have regular status meetings on all of the activity that had occurred since the last time we had had a conversation. I think it's your advisor should be held to that standard. And I would encourage you guys to find advisors that do that would be the only thing I would add. I think as a takeaway, you know, it's really all about patience and consistency in an M&A process. To Matt's point, you know, the best firms consistently do this are certainly in the market from a buy side perspective all the time. And sellers, when they move forward with exiting, do so in a way that is uh, consistent with optimizing their firm's value and working with partners that have a proven track record of actually getting deals done. Super important stuff. So with that, we'll tie a ribbon on it for this week's podcast. We uh, hope that you'll tune in next week when we'll talk about more kind of relevant and exciting topics around the world of M&A and uh, growth strategy for uh, tech-enabled services companies. Thanks, and make it a great day and a great week.